I go to real estate masterminds too, and everything's all ego and bravado. Oh, I have this many locations, or I make this much revenue. But it's, are they successful? Are they doing well? What profit are you bringing home? What impact are you having on your community? How much are you giving to charity? Let's have those conversations. But are you even doing what you set out to do by actually having an impact on people's lives? Where's your results? Show me your before and afters. If your location isn't producing before and afters and helping people, why would you even think about duplicating that? Be patient, do it the right way. Far more is at risk if you do it too soon when you're not ready versus you taking longer. So just have that long-term mindset. In the meantime, make your existing location more profitable. You want more money? Make more money from your existing one. Make it more dialed in. Make it depend less on you. And that way you feel super confident. I think the more confident you can be, you might have a high risk tolerance, but that's the wrong level of confidence. You're like, I don't mind being in debt. I don't mind being split across two locations. That's the wrong way to go about it. Go about it like I'm so confident in location one because X, Y, and Z. And then you can go to location two with that confidence that you have a dialed in system and then you can duplicate that there. Welcome to the Fitness Empire Podcast, where we show gym owners how to dominate their competition and build a massively profitable fitness business. Dustin and Matt collectively own 12 gyms and have a combined 30 years of experience in the fitness industry. They're here to help gym owners create an empire of impact and income. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Fitness Empire Podcast. I am excited to talk about this topic. I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Wilbur. And today we're going to be diving into something for people who are thinking multiple locations. Maybe you have one location and you're thinking of number two, or you already have multiple locations and you're thinking of adding on. If that is something that's been going through your mind, today's episode is just for you. But before we do dive in, I do want to point you guys to an amazing event we have coming up at the end of August called the Domination Workshop. And this is one of the topics we're going to be covering, correct, Matt? All about opening a location and packing it out, right? 100%. Okay. And so we have a ton of topics lined up that go from opening a gym to recruiting to marketing to many others. And what you guys want to do is go to dominationworkshop.com, right? That's the correct URL for everybody who wants to that, check that. Okay. 100% correct. Dominationworkshop.com. It's like getting a PhD and running a fitness business, especially too, if you want to even think about scaling. So this is a topic right now where you're like, should I scale? Should I not scale? I'm nervous about scaling. How do I scale properly? How do I not screw it up? I got something great happening right now. And I want to duplicate this. How do I go about doing that? We're going to talk about a lot of that stuff so you can do it correctly and do it the right way and not have to make the million and two mistakes that me and Dustin have made while scaling our fitness businesses. Yes. That's just for you guys to, again, go to that website, read about it. And we're pretty sure when you look it over, you're going to decide this is something you want to step into and attend because it's just going to completely change your business. You'll go home with copious amount of notes, tons of resources, and everything you need to take your business to the next level. And one of the things we're against and why we want the Domination Workshop to feel and be very different is we don't want it to just be hype and raw. If you're a business owner, you're probably already really motivated. You just need the actual practical steps of what to do. And that's what we cover there. So on that, we're going to talk about what you need to do practical-wise to decide if you need to open another location. And so we really want the main message here to be, listen to this before opening another location. If you listen to this episode start to finish, you'll probably have a good idea if it's the right choice for you or not. So we are going to share our war stories and then you probably have your own that you can compare. But for those that don't know, I opened my gyms in a very short period of time. I opened six gyms in six years and I was in a franchise, same as Matt where territories were just being sold like hotcakes. And I'm in Southern California. The whole market was on fire. And so already the territories that were left were already really spread out. And so if they got sold, I'd have to go into like other counties or even other states to be able to expand. And I didn't like that. Part of the genius of their marketing approach and sales of process 
is to put pressure on current franchisees to buy more. And so I went nuts and I opened six gyms in six years, which is very fast, way faster than I should tell anybody should do. But it wasn't even like for you, it wasn't even actually a six year period, right? So you had your gyms going on and then I feel like you actually did like a lot in a very short period of time. So yeah, it was six years in total, but in reality, you opened a lot of your gyms in a very short period of time. Like you went on a very quick sprint of opening gyms. So I think that like, cause what I don't want the listener to hear is, oh, I opened a gym a year because that wasn't the case. I actually opened pretty much opened a gym a year until I decided in 2020 to open three and at the same time. But it is a it wasn't just one year process for Dustin. So some of the things that he's going to talk about, I think keeping in mind that, dude, you went on a crazy pace for a period of time there, which obviously causes some issues and some problems. Yes. And I just, I was on the mindset that this was pretty easy model to just open and replicate. It's get the lease, get the equipment, get the coaches onto the next city. And so I had that conquer mindset. I'm going to take over Southern California. We're going to have 20 locations. And I thought more is better because I had mastered this model at location one. And I want to preface this, guys. I'm a first-time business owner in my family. I do not come from entrepreneurs. So I'm the dummy that's going off into the world of entrepreneurism, learning all the hard problems to hopefully pass it down. I hope my kids get into the same type of life, but I'm not going to pressure them. And so I, I did not have, other than my peers like Matt and other people in my life, I didn't have a family background in running businesses. That is, you know, what I was facing going into this. But essentially, I thought more is better. And here's what happened is that I watched my first gym, which was doing at that point over 50,000 a month. When I opened the second, we opened and it was like a nice grand opening. I think that we got right out of the gate up to 15K EFT. But then location one went down to 45. And then I went and opened a third location. At that point, location two rises to 30K, but the first gym drops to 30K. And then the third gym opens up with that 15 or 20 EFT. So quickly, I have three gyms that are doing around 30K rather than one that was on its way to being a million dollar gym, which is way less headache and way less people. Like a team of four or five to manage, which now became a team of 20. And so I, again, these are things you just sometimes don't think through. You're just like more dominate, let's go more locations, more territory. So more is not better. Better is better is the first thing I want to start our whole talk with here is I really believe if you have a great location and you just got a lot of these boxes checked, which we're going to cover when you shouldn't open another location and when you should, if you got a really good deal going on right now, maximize the heck out of that location. Do not get trapped up in it's really that ego of my buddy over here's got two my buddy over here's got three i gotta match them who says don't get caught up in the keeping up with the joneses mentality in business because it can really hurt you and i know a lot of really smart gym owners that actually went backwards in their total locations but went up in their revenue went up in their profit and went up in their happiness so that's exactly what happened to me is that i had more people more headaches more locations and essentially, it was not like the joy that I thought was going to come on the other side of having more gyms. And I had to make those quick calls. And so essentially, a couple of things that came into play. Number one, I did not build bench of leaders. It was all built on me and my wife. And we had one assistant. Think about that. Six gyms all reporting to three people. And I was running around like my chicken with my head cut off. I drive to this location. I actually thought it was something that I was proud of for a while, that I can hit two locations in a day. I'd kiss the wife and say bye to the family, and I'd go to location A and get there by 8 a.m., and then during that midday break, I'm working out and meeting something, I'm getting to location B, and I'm like, man, I'm really showing up for my team. I'm being there, but guess what? Nothing productive is getting done. I'm spending time in a car. I'm driving. I'm in all these like conversations, but I'm not selling. I'm not leading. I'm not building leaders. I'm not doing anything that I need to be doing to take this thing to the next level. And so that's one of the things we're going to dive into is like this checklist that I built of when you shouldn't open one and when you should. And so eventually that, that proximity of the locations, sometimes if you open multiple locations near each other, they can actually support each other. It can actually be a friend. It could be a benefit. But the way my locations were spread out, I had one gym 
from one gym to the other was a 90 minute difference. So could that coach drive over and support that other gym? Like absolutely not. And so that it can also be a curse depending on where you choose to put it. And these are just, again, some like surface level issues that came up when I got stretched. And I think we all got to get pushed to a limit. And then the kinks in your armor get exposed. And it was just not knowing how this is going to work because it was, we didn't know how it was going to work at gym one and we figured it out and we're like, we'll figure it out when we get to three, we'll figure it out when we get to six. But I think everybody has a number where it eventually breaks them and you get stress tested and you find out where your weaknesses are. And so again, I lacked the knowledge that I have now, the foresight, like again, if I did it now, it'd be very different. But back then I was still a very early business owner and just went at breakneck speed, which is my speed. And I had to slow down to learn how to speed up. So yeah, Matt, anything you would throw in on that here in those those stories? Yeah, when I get to my when I get to my part, we'll cover a little bit deeper into that. But I really challenge you, like, why do you want to have more locations? And yes. does it fit into the vision that you want? Or a lot of people have this false optimism of numbers because they don't really think about one, what made their business successful in the first place, and then what's going to be required to make it successful in the second location. But a lot of people, when they do math, they go second location. So let's just say your location was profiting, say, $30,000, $25,000 a month. It was a $50,000 location. And you're like, oh, I opened another one. I'm going to double my profit. I'm going to triple my profit. And that usually never happens because when you open more locations, it's also going to require more payroll because you as the owner operator are taking care of a lot of things in your business. So you don't have to hire for those things, but also you, the owner operator, overcome a lot of issues and problems. And also you're making it work. You're driving the culture. You have the relationships with the clients. You're modeling expectations. You're able to pour into your team. You're able to see mistakes or a lot of mistakes aren't happening because you are there, which then doesn't actually happen in that second location. So a biggest mistake I see from a mentality standpoint is they just start doubling their bank account. I'm just going to double. I'm going to triple. I'm going to quadruple. And that's not the case. Maybe your revenue almost doubles but revenue is not what you're after profits. You're after a certain type of lifestyle that you want. And a lot of people are overly optimistic, one of what it's going to take to duplicate what you just did in location one. And I'm just going to say right now, like you can bootstrap your first location. If you're a hundred percent all in, you can't bootstrap your second location and your third location, your fourth location, they will fail. And they will fail very quickly because the thing that made the bootstrapping work was you. And now you're going to have to take yourself out of the picture. You're going to be diluted by at least 50%. If you have two locations, you're going to be diluted down to 33%. If you have three locations, I would say it's even a further dilution, right? If you have three locations, let's just say 100% was location one when you had it going, you're going to be like an eighth to a tenth of the value that you were before. So a lot of people think that they're going to be 100% at all the locations and they can't factor in that by the time you get to the second location, you're probably 25% as valuable as you were in the first location. You're maybe a tenth as valuable in the third location and so forth, right? So knowing how to scale properly, which I'll talk about in a little bit, a lot of people don't think that. They're overly optimistic and then they get into it and they go, oh shit, what did I just do? Because, well, so the cur- like you have a lot of courage because you have a lot of confidence in yourself, right? So sometimes though, we're again, we're if you're an optimist, we go, I'll figure it out, which is one of the biggest blessings. That's why you've been successful, right? And why you inspire a lot of people is because you're willing to take risks. You have courage because you have the confidence in yourself, but when you don't know what you don't know, you end up putting yourself in, in in bad positions as well because of that confidence and the courage that comes with the confidence. So we want to set you guys up for success. One, what's the mindset that you need to have and what do you need to be thinking about? But being able to show you what you can't see yet because you just haven't gone down that path. We've been down this path. We've made the mistakes. We've made the errors. We know what to look for. So by the time we're done today, 
you will know, hey, am I ready to move forward? Should I even be thinking about moving forward and be able to learn from our mistakes? Love it. Yeah, so I prepared just a quick checklist to take yourself through. So this is a good thing for you guys to write down. I basically put down my version of when you shouldn't open one and when you should. So this is if someone's calling me and they're like, I'm thinking of opening gym. This is what I would take them through. And so I'm going to do it with you guys here. And this is the first checklist is when you should not open one, which is the one, the checklist I wish I had or someone to talk to me through because everyone was, when you're also surrounded by fellow optimists, everyone's telling you why you should, right? Go for it. We'll go, we'll do this. We'll figure it out. The franchise is telling me, my team's telling me, I'm telling me, and you just get yourself in a lot of trouble. So the first is we've said this different ways, but if it's an ego decision, it just is, it, it, you don't have a clear vision. Does this fit into your vision? You're just doing it because you think more is better. Again, be honest with yourself. For me, I will say it was all ego. I thought more is better. I thought I could handle it. I thought our team was at the stage where we could do it. And so I needed to have that, that wake up call. The second is you're being pressured. That was definitely happy with me as I go back and look. I not just the franchise territories, but hey, gym's closing. And now you just feel this pressure that I got to go buy their equipment or buy their clients or buy their space or even just buy their business. And I'll tell you, I as I was preparing for this call, I, I added it up. I went back and thought through all the names. I've had six gym owners offer their keys to me. The gym's yours, free. I don't like I won't charge you a dime, the clients, the equipment. But then I went through my new filtration system of how I open a gym. And I realized why they picked a really bad area. They picked a low income area and it was in the name of getting cheap rent. Again, just if you find cheap rent, that's pressure. Oh, come on. It's only two grand a month. I will figure it out. No, there's probably a reason it's cheap. It's in a bad part of town. The building's old. There's something going on. And so I don't think of that as a good thing anymore, where I used to really love that. And I would jump on something. Someone would find a deal and I'm like, cool, let's open a gym. You found cheap rent. So it's like no pre don't give in for pressure, whether you found a great deal, someone's selling, someone's handing you keys. There's probably some red flags in that, right? If you're in a, in a franchise and they're telling you this territory is being sold, do you want it? And you're, you're going to jump on it because of that reason, but you're not ready. Don't do it. Okay. It's better to hold off. Trust me. There'll be other opportunities. You don't have any systems documented or very few systems. That was where we were. We had, a we had the coaching fulfillment nothing else. No marketing documentation, no no systems of sales, no, nothing else SOP'd out, no operations. And so essentially that is one of your signs that you're not ready to open another location. Because if everybody has to call you to get an answer or step-by-step -step on how to do something and you have no SOP library or Loom videos or anything where they can figure it out on their own, you become the bottleneck in the business. So you have to have systems and then on top of that you need the people that run the system you need a leader so if you do not have a leader that can run that location i do not open it because you probably are not going to be able to be the operator of both or if you already have two and you're going to go to three and four like you need leaders running it it cannot be you you get removed after i even think at two locations you get removed as the face of the business you now have to make other people the face of your business as a manager, an operator, a leader. So if you do not have a leader that can step in and run that thing for you, do not move forward. That needs to be in place first. They need to come to a current location. They need to train. They need to see the culture that you expect and your systems in live action. That way they can take it. A mistake I made was I hired people cold. They never worked at another location. We just trained at this new facility. And I told them about how we do things at the other gym. There's a difference between saying it and then being in it and being around it. And again, I was in a tough spot because people were really distant from one another. Again, one gym was 90 minutes from another gym. And so I just felt bad, like asking someone to drive that far. But these days I wouldn't have that issue. I know people who've been sent to another state for training. So essentially that was me trying to be, again, a people pleaser. Oh, I'm not going to make them drive an hour each way. We'll just train there at the site. And that was a bad call. Okay. So again, these are all things don't do. Final one. If you do not have the cash to float at least six months of expenses that the business will not need to t dip into location one, it won't need to dip into your personal savings. It has its own startup fund that you've been saving up for. So those are some, some basic ones. I know I could go even deeper, but 
just for the sake of time, I want to keep it very basic checklist. So again, it's not for ego. It's not because you're not being pressured. You have no systems documented. You don't have a leader to run it and you don't have the cash for six months. Stop. Do not pass go. Do not open that location. That is like your red flag checklist. Matt, anything else you would add on there? I know you're going to probably go over some on your end. Yeah, I have a few I have a few things, but when we even talk about systems, again, there's this false utopia that you as the business owner, you may think you have systems. But you, you really don't because you're you make it work. You're the glue, you make things work and a lot of things don't have the ability to break because you're there. Uh, versus, hey, do I truly actually have a system does can this run without me? The business owner. If you were to go on vacation for a couple of weeks, is your business going to grow? Or is there going to be mass problems and mass issues? Because again, you get away with a lot in your first location as a owner operator. You will not get away with that in your second location. And then I would say like the really big system that people overlook is now you the people systems are incredibly important. So when we think about systems, oftentimes we just think about how do we execute the workout? How do we do a lead follow-up? How do we do our sales appointments? Those are all systems that have to be in place. But now the people system, the people process really needs to be dialed in as you grow to multiple locations that you get away with as the business operator. You'll naturally see what's wrong and fix it. If somebody's having a bad day, you'll be able to have a conversation with them and it's not going to leak into the culture like it is in the second location. That's what I found massively in the second location was we had no people systems, none, right? It was just like, hey, you seem like you can do the job, you're hired. And then there was no like growing and developing them because in the first location, I just poured into my team, I led by example. And if there was things that were off, I would catch it immediately. I'd be able to see it. So none of the, so you assume you have systems, you assume that you're just going to go and duplicate that. But again, you're in this owner operator utopia that you can actually see the breakdown of what's about to happen when you step out or you are less valuable to that, that second, third, fourth, fifth location, which I'll get into in a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. Hiring, recruiting, reprimanding, letting people go, like that has to happen without you for the most part, where when you're on site, you spot it and you care a very much amount because your name's on the lease, your back's against the wall. Where another person, you might put them in the role of manager, they see someone not do their job and they're like, that's, I'll let it slide. And they might have lower standards than you. So these things are not like outlined the way things should be ran, culture, standards, quality checks, like Th those won't happen. Person is not a business owner. They're not going to think like that. So it's and even the buy-in that team members have when they get to work directly with the owner of the business and have a direct relationship with the owner of the business. Again, you're deluding your you're deluding yourself. One in location one, if they were used to seeing you all the time and you being present and you being around and having a certain relationship with you, and now you're deluded. They start having certain feelings because now it's like a loss to them. They're losing Dustin or the relationship that they had before. So they're losing that attachment that they have with you. And then the new team members, depending on how you decide you want to operate, never really have that relationship with you like your other team members. And you're like, why is that location? Why aren't they as bought in as the people in the first location? Again, it comes back to the relationship with you and how things are structured that you have a false utopia of how things are. And you think you're just going to go and duplicate systems and processes. And what I'll talk about is you actually want to duplicate culture. Systems and processes are not that hard to duplicate. It's the culture. It's the feeling that you're trying to produce at your locations. That is where it starts getting challenging because it's the culture and the feeling and how we make people feel when they do business with us that made location one special and guess who was driving that? You, the owner, were driving that. And that is what you need to duplicate. Because a lot of people are like, man, my first location, it was magical. Just everything feels good. Everybody's on fire. Everybody's in a good mood. Everything's functioning correctly. And I just can't figure out why my second location isn't like that. I can't figure out why my third location isn't like that. It's because you think you're trying to scale systems. But what you're trying to do 
is scale culture. And a lot of the culture is directly related to what people think, what they believe, how they feel, what's their states. States drive actions, drive outcomes. And again, you as the owner are massively impacting thoughts, massively impacting beliefs, massively impacting feelings. And you can't do that, but you can train people how to do that to an extent, but realize there's a dilution that is going to happen every single location that you open. So that means that you need to be, if you want a location that is, say, a $50,000 location, your first location better be a $70,000, $80,000 location. So you're going to get a dilution of what it was before, or a dilution of what the culture is before, unless you really pour into developing and growing within so that people on your team can then go in and duplicate that. But that also takes time and it takes intentionality because you know what the game is. But if you don't know what the game is, how do you duplicate it? So we'll talk a little bit more about that when I get rolling, but that is so massively important and cannot be overlooked. And I don't care if you're in a franchise, whatever it may be, because if a franchise was just systems and processes, why aren't all locations as profitable as the other locations. Why can somebody come in and create a million dollar location and then somebody else, maybe in the same circumstances, comes in and they go out of business in six to 12 months? It's the same systems. No, it's the operator. And any franchise to be successful, you need the right operators to run that business. Everybody's getting the same systems the same processes, the same freaking playbook, but some people excel and some people flounder. What is the difference? The difference is the operator. And that is the only difference. Obviously, you can make mistakes with where you put your locations and, and all of that, because I've even seen it with myself of the difference between a location in the ideal area and a location in not the ideal area where you got to work four times as freaking hard to get the same amount of leads through the doors and now you got price objections that you didn't have in the other location. So it is a hundred percent real and that location may not be as successful, but it still can be successful. But a big part of it is just the operator and uh, just the truth. So for me, that is proof. And what I'm saying is we're trying to scale culture and not systems and processes because why can people in the same franchise system have drastically different results? It goes down to the operator and the ability to build the right culture inside of those locations. And it's so true because the first gym I built to being over 50,000 and it's my home gym, the annual household income was in the 40,000. It was like 45,000. So not a wealthy area, but I attracted all the people who did have money. There was just less of them to this place. And I, and so you, when you step out, you're the operator you're training now the operator, that leader that's going to run the place. And so there's a reason a lot of well-known fitness franchises, your Orange Theories, et cetera, only go into high-end shopping centers because they know we're going to set this operator up for success and we don't have to like have that uphill battle with the price objections where if it's your first gym and it's just like a location play, you're like, I want the gym near me so I can go there rather easily. That is okay for your location when you're going to be the operator. But when you start thinking of other locations, and now we're going to dive into my checklist about when you should, number one, we said it was, it's got to fit with the vision. Is your vision to have multiple gyms? Again, it shouldn't be an ego. It should be, this was what I had planned from the get-go. It's not that I'm after more money. It's, I had a vision of having multiple locations one day. So that's the first box we got to check. The second is you are already not going into your business for daily operation purposes, a minimum of two to three days a week. Like you might pop in there once a week, you might pop in there twice a week, but you are already partially removed at least half the week from your existing location or locations if you're planning to add more. The third is it's fully staffed without you. There's There are some spots in the company a little bit harder to go like marketing. I, I do the marketing for my locations. It's going to be a very high cost employee. And so that's something that the owner tends to have oversight over for a very long time. The people that I've seen sometimes let go of marketing is when they get to a lot of locations and it now makes sense because now they're just pulling a little bit from all the locations to pay for this person at a corporate level. 
But even then, I've seen owners with multiple gyms still run it themselves because they know no one will do it as good as I will. I know my brand. I know what I want to sell. And so they continue to do that marketing for their locations. But you should be fully staffed in terms of the frontline staff, the coaches, the front desk, the managers, the gym. At the leadership level, that's a different topic. But the, the gym itself, you should not have to fulfill anything. You should not have to coach a session. You should not have to sell anybody. The whole gym can run without you. It's fully staffed. The next thing, I know everybody will have different answers for this, but I believe you should be at least 20% profit. If you're like, hey, it's fully staffed, but I barely hit take anything at the end of the month, that is not a good state for you to be in. You're going to open your gym in a fight or flight mode. You're living at the edge of your means. That's just not a good place to be. So 20% profit margins is definitely another box to check. And that's how you know your rate. Until you have a thriving gym. Yes. Why would? <laughs> why in your mind would you ever go, let me scale like $50,000 a year? Why, why would you ever do that? And obviously people do it all the time. I've had conversations with people who are like, I'm thinking about scaling. What do you pull in? Like 50,000 a year. I'm like, you can't, you're going to, you're going to sink the ship. There, there is no doubt you're not going to do it because to your point, if you're not have a lot of free cash flow, you're going to be very stringent. You're not going to hire early. You're not going to train your team. You're not going to get them ready. You're going to be penny pinching. And what, again, you can bootstrap your first location and get away with a lot of stuff. But that second location, you can't bootstrap, you can't penny pinch, you can't cut corners. You have to do it right in order for it to succeed. And when I talk, I want everyone to hear, do it right means having a very successful second location, a very successful third location. I opened $4 million gyms correctly, but... I also made a lot of mistakes when we did that, but I did it correctly. And that's some of the stuff I'll talk about is I'm not trying to teach you guys how to make an extra, have a $50,000 a year profitable gym. I'm talking having multiple six-figure profit gyms, multiple of them. So if you want to do that, there's a way that you have to do that. And it's not by cutting corners. That's 100% for sure. And your first gym has to be profitable. Like your lifestyle needs to be in place. So if you were to lose revenue and take a dip, cause you're going to, which I'll talk about in a minute, if you do it correctly, it's going to take a dip. But if it starts affecting your ability to pay your personal bills, you're mentally not going to be in the right place. You're going to be in scarcity mode. You're going to pull back versus going all in and doing what's required for that location to be super successful and be able to get it the lift off because your reputation, if you're good at marketing, we used to open our locations with three, 300, 450 challengers on day one. But they would also come in and we would have three to four full-time coaches that have been trained for three to four months. And then they give them an amazing experience. Also a location that has a location partner that has been with us for one or two years that knows their job is to duplicate the culture and has seen it's not the first first dance, so to speak. And that team's trained. And then we give them this amazing experience, this amazing product. And guess what happens with those 300 to 450 people? They tell their friends and their family, and then the business massively explodes. So we were able to open locations doing $50,000 in their first month. And then they just take off like a rocket ship. Most locations, and this is what I've seen, most locations try to bootstrap. They have like maybe a few part-time coaches that were never trained in the first place. They come in, they don't do a very good job of marketing. So they open with a very empty boot camp or gym and then they get a shit experience. And now they have a massive uphill battle that they never can overcome. And oftentimes it leads to them being those people that go to you and say, Hey, I'll just give you the keys. I quit. I just want to stop losing money and I want to not risk anything else because the reason why they're willing to give you the keys is one, they're not making any money. Like they've tapped out mentally, emotionally, spiritually, they're just done and they want to get rid of the risk, right? Not get their investment back. They just want to get rid of the risk and give you the keys. So that's what we don't want for you. And I'll explain a few more things here when I get going, but 
I just want to touch on that. It's got to be profitable. It's got to be doing really well. Or why would you scale it? There's people in this space and it blows my mind. And I know I'm going on a rant that franchise their locations that aren't even doing well. How do you go? You know what? I'm not doing that great. I'm going to go franchise this. Blows my freaking minds that somebody would go, I'm going to franchise something that's not even doing very well. The fact that like, they how- can prove that the franchise committee says green light, start selling them. Like, <laughs> that shouldn't be getting through. It just blows my mind that how is that even allowed or how is that even possible? Hey guys, it's Dustin Bogle with the Fitness Empire and we want to connect with you on social media. So Matt and I are asking you to either friend us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and we'll follow you back. But you wanna search our name, Dustin Bogle or Matt Wilbur, and here's what we wanna do for you. We wanna help you with your biggest pain point in your business. So send us a DM, tell us what that big pain point or struggle is, and we'll share with you whatever we've done when it comes to that pain point in our own business, all right? so. Again, go on Facebook, Instagram, search Dustin Vogel, Matt Wilbur, connect and let us help you grow your business. So keep in mind, when we talk about the ego thing, I I think this is important to touch on because the ego, honestly, I've been in a lot of industries. I go to real estate masterminds too, and everything's all ego and bravado. Oh, I have this many locations or I make this much revenue. I, but it's, are they successful? Are they doing well? What profit are you bringing home? What impact are you having on your community? How much are you giving to charity? Let's have those conversations. But, or how, like, even are you even doing what you set out to do by actually having an impact on people's lives? Where's your results? Show me your before and afters. If your location isn't producing before and afters and helping people, why would you even think about duplicating that? Doesn't make any sense to me. And a lot of people put themselves in bad positions because of ego and, one thing I do want to touch on is the the ter- like this pressure that I need to move quick and I need to move fast and I need to you need to be ready to an extent. You need to be like 80 90% ready. You'll never be 100% ready and you need to have the vision in mind of what is ready even look like. How do you want that next location to to operate? What is your end goal 5 years from now? Where do you want to be? What does it look like? What's the big picture when I open my locations? and we probably can just get into it is so we were in the same franchise for a while and there's a lot of people that were before me and they would have a decent first location and then they would go to open a second or a third and everyone's like oh my god they opened a second they opened a third but the second and third just never did well and i like to learn from other people's mistakes and i was like why is it just not working right why is their first location doing really well? And why are their second and third locations not doing well? And then I started looking at the dynamics and why that is. And again, it goes back to that owner operator utopia that you were the culture. You were the thing that was driving all the systems. You were willing to work 60, 80 hour weeks. You would bend over backwards to help your clients. You'd bend over backwards to help your teammates. You would fill in the gaps when your teammates dropped the bell. You could overcome anything as a one location business operator. The second part was they're the culture. That is why the first location is so freaking special and feels so good and it's buzzing and everybody wants to be there and they know they're a part of something special. It's because that owner operator is making it that. You are the special sauce. You are the driver of the culture. You are bringing the positivity every single day. You can't do that in the second location. So what you have to do is scale your culture. And what we did and why we were so so successful was I took a step backwards. I'm like, okay, I get that. I'm driving this culture. But I also knew that I didn't want to be the face of the second location and the third location. And we got up to 10 locations. I didn't want to be the face. I didn't want clients expecting Matt to be there. I wasn't expect, didn't want clients to want to be my buddy or have conversations. Where's Matt? Where I have those conversations, location one. And just even in location today, a decade later, there's still people that want to see me. And that's not a scalable process because you will never meet the expectations 
in the next location. So what I did was I made location partners, made them phantom partners where they got phantom equity in the business. And then they were the co-owner of the business. They were the co-owner operator of the business. So clients saw them as the co-owner operator of the business and they never were expecting to see me. So then my job turned into sales and marketing. That's what my job turned into is sales and marketing, making sure that people were getting into the locations and then those operators would oversee their teammates and take care of their teammates. Now, obviously, if you don't put the right person in that seat, it can blow up in your face, which it's blown up in my face a few times. But when it was working for the right intentions of what I had in mind, from being able to create the culture and the relationship with the clients. And one of the keys here is once you start getting big enough, you've won too much. Matt has too much money. Matt's had too much success. So when a client signs up, I don't want them to think that they're giving Matt money. I want them to think that they're giving the person that they see every single day and have a relationship with that knows their name, that knows their family, that cares about them. They're giving that person money because now they feel good about giving the business money. And then when they cancel their membership, guess what? I want them to think that they're taking money out of their pocket, not my pocket. So massive benefits. And this was the model that I used initially to massively scale our businesses and have massive success inside of the locations. Where it breaks down though is their ability to manage people. So if you are looking to do like an owner operator type of model, it's not just can they give a good workout. It's not just can they create a good environment from like a feeling standpoint. They also have to have the ability to manage people because that's where it really breaks down. The other place that it breaks down is that they have character flaws. If they have massive character flaws and then you have to eventually let that person go because they are a detriment to your business. I had one person that if I were to keep them as the facility partner, I guarantee you I was on the path of getting sued. I was going to be in court because this person was doing unethical things that leads to lawsuits from a sexual harassment standpoint, right? With members and team members. So that's where it starts to break down. So if you go that route, you also got to go, hey, where's the where's the break points of what I'm looking to do? Where's the detriments? Where can this start to fall apart? And my biggest mistake was putting people that had character flaws, character issues as a facility partner, right? So that person needs to be ironclad when it comes to character. If they're ironclad when it comes to character and they're good at managing people and truly care about people, it is a freaking home run system to be thinking about doing. But if you want to be the face and you want people seeing you and they, you want, when you walk into the building, everybody knows your name and you're the owner and you want your ego stroked all the time, something like that's not going to work really well. But for me, what I wanted to scale a business and get the same effect that I had in location one. And for me, that is the only way to do it because now that person also has ownership mentality. This is my business. This is my team. And they're going to take care of it to that level where just a manager level person doesn't necessarily do that. So those are some things to be thinking about. That's the best way to scale culture, but it takes time. That means that you already have to have that person inside of your locations that was a coach or potentially like a manager in your location. Because again, their job is to scale the culture. If you just hire people off the street, which I know Dustin, you had to do, like how do they scale something they were never a part of? Because culture is a feeling. It is not a system. It is a feeling that we want to produce inside of our locations. And the only way to reproduce a feeling is that you've been a part of it and you've felt it. So they need to be a part of your culture. So in order to scale properly, I really believe that you need to hire within. And I used to have a mentor tell me, no, that no, you can just hire your managers off the street. It'll be okay. But they also did that and had locations that failed, right? And my locations were doing a million dollars. And a big part of that was because I didn't hire off the street. I don't think you can hire off the street. And the biggest example of this is when you look at Chick-fil-A, when they open locations, they have over 150,000 applicants now 
to be the owner operator of a Chick-fil-A. The majority of the people that they hire, even though I would argue Chick-fil-A is more of a systems-based business, hey, this is how we cook a chicken sandwich, they know that the culture is what makes it special, right? Why are people that work at Chick-fil-A happy? It's part of the culture, but they hire from within. So the majority of their hires are from within. And I always recommend duplicating success. In my locations, I say we want to be the Chick-fil-A of the fitness industry. They hire from within and give somebody an owner-operator position, and their job is obviously to take care of the business, take care of the team, and make sure that the culture is strong because the only thing that's going to deteriorate a Chick-fil-A location is the culture is not strong, right? So again, that's what we're trying to duplicate. Why do McDonald's suck? Why do Burger King suck? They hire managers off the street and think that their job is to cook cheeseburgers. They think in French fries and whatever other crap food that they create. But everyone that they hire, everyone's in a bad mood. Everyone's rude. Everyone doesn't want to be there because they thought their job was to duplicate systems and cheeseburgers and French fries. Where really their job is to create an awesome culture that just so happens to cook cheeseburgers and cook French fries. That's what you want to create inside of your location. So take the time to develop people. So I always say, start with the end in mind. What's your vision? And then just work backwards. And that's it. So what do you want? If you had five locations right now, how do you want them to be running and operating? What is your role inside of that? Because depending on what your role inside of that is, that should dictate how you decide to grow. Not bootstrap it, not do it the same way you did it in the first location. And if you can't do it that way because you're not financially in the position to do it, be patient. I'd rather see you do it correctly and be patient than try to rush this, do it incorrectly, and now find yourself in bad situations. Because when you rush it, you can't rush the people side of things. It it just isn't possible in the fitness business because it's not a systems-based business, in my opinion. I want to highlight that. Real right. quick, Matt. Actually, I don't know if you know this about Chick Fil A. They were founded in the '60s. They didn't franchise till the early 2000s. So they took 40 years to get their systems dialed in, and they were just corporate owned until they decided to open it up to these owner operators. And so it's one of those things that, guys, if you take a one or two or five years to open your next location, you did it faster than Chick Fil A. And to your point, be patient, do it the right way. Far more is at risk if you do it too soon when you're not ready versus you taking longer, right? So just have that long-term mindset. In the meantime, make your existing location more profitable. You want more money? Make more money from your existing one. Make it more dialed in. Make it depend less on you. And that way you feel super confident. I think the more confident you can be, you might have a high risk tolerance, but that's the wrong level of confidence. You're like, I don't mind being in debt. I don't mind being split across two locations. That's the wrong way to go about it, go about it. Like I'm so confident in location one because X, Y, and Z. And then you can go to location two with that confidence that you have a dialed in system and then you can duplicate that there. So again, just wanted to highlight on that patience point. That's huge. The next thing is the money dynamics. Dustin covered this pretty well, but how do you want to support the money dynamics of your next locations? So depending on what your philosophy is on money, obviously you can get debt, no debt. You can bring on investors if you like. So if you want to scale faster, typically you're going to have to bring on some level of debt. But just like we talked about before is even if you're going to take on the debt, one, now you have debt service that you need to take care of. That's going to be important. But your next locations are going to be less profitable and it's going to take a while for them to build up. You're not going to, if you have a $50,000 location right now, you're not going to open typically with a $50,000 location with the cash flow that you have today. And for some reason, and I still can't understand this, people think, again, I'm going to have the same thing. When I open up, I'm going to have the same situation that I have today. You are not. You're going to have to hire more people to provide the same level of service that you have in location one. You're going to have to hire more people. You're going to have to have more staff to provide the same level of service and value that you're providing today, right? So you have increased payroll expenses. You can't overcome that. You're just going to have to be able to do that. And then it's going to take a while for your profits 
to get there. You're going to have to grow your revenue. So it's like starting over again. It's going to probably take you six to 12 months to get profitable, depending on how well you can market. So you got to be able to eat that. And then, you know, ultimately, so that means whatever you were taking home before, whatever the profit of your business was before, it's going to decrease because you need to take the profits from location one to be able to fund location two. Obviously, if you just take on debt to cover opening expenses plus give you a runway of six to 12 months, that does mean that you're taking out a lot of debt. But the only way to do that, folks, is that you have a super successful first location and you have multiple years in business showing that you have a super successful location for a bank or an investor to want to be able to fund that, right? So what ends up happening is a lot of people try to then bootstrap that second location. They don't do a really good build out. They don't train their team early and then it doesn't take off and it flounders. So hopefully you're getting the point here that get your location humming, get it freaking grand slam home run. And then you have multiple ways of being able to open that second location and be able to do it right. Because the next thing that you need to do is you need to bring on your team early. If you want to really explode your business and have that word of mouth, you need to bring on your team early. So what we used to do is we used to hire people three months before we would open the next location. So they would come in and they'd get all their crappy reps with our current clients. So they would get all their bad sessions out at our locations. We would train them up. They are now amazing. And now we implant them in the new location. So on day one, clients are going, holy cow, this place is freaking amazing. A lot of people are hiring people like the week before they open and then they're not trained. And then they give their clients a bad experience and they're getting their bad reps when they open. Now, if you look at a lot of restaurants and places like that don't have the ability to train their team, what do they do? They give away their food for free for the first two or three weeks because you're not going to be mad at them for providing bad service when they're giving you free coffees or free food. And they're literally telling you, hey, it's going to take a couple weeks for us to do that. As business owners, we don't have the ability to give people a bad experience for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks as we work out the kinks. And again, in your first location, that wasn't a big issue because you probably as the owner took a lot of that stuff and you provided a good service and your enthusiasm and your excitement was able to overcome any anything that clients would see or feel. And they probably didn't experience it, but they will experience that in the next location so having your team that's super confident, knows exactly what they need to do, providing a great experience, they know the systems, they know the processes, they know how to have conversations with clients, they know what the nutrition plan is, they know all of that stuff. Clients come in from day one and go, this place is buttoned up, they know their stuff. Like, hey, friends and family, you got to come here. There's no place like this. You have an opportunity as a new location to be the shiny new object and freaking take massive market share in your community if you do it correctly or you're just going to be like everybody else right so do it that's the conversation i one of the biggest things i ever learned from my mom she always said if you're going to do it right if you're going to open a second or third location do it right don't just open a second or third location because of your ego and because you think it's cool and it's going to be awesome do it for the right reasons do it correctly and it can be a home run or it can be a nightmare. Yes. Anything you want to add on that before I go to the, the sixth part, which is your, what is your exit strategy? No, I think we'll hit them with that. Go for it, dude. I think this is all hopefully a lot of good the, warnings for everybody. <laughs> the other thing as business owners, especially if we're really passionate about what we do, we never think about, hey, we might want to sell this thing. And recently I've sold three locations. In the last year, I've sold three locations and I never went into it intending to to sell three locations. So when you, and this is like wisdom that I want to provide to everybody is the end in mind is to set your business up to sell. Even if you have no intention to set it up to sell so that you actually have potential exit strategies. And there's a few exit strategies to think about. 
One, you can sell it to, if you have a location partner or you have a manager on your team, you could potentially sell or finance a location to them because no one on your team is going to be able to go to the bank and get the financing that they need to buy it. The other aspect of it, even if your team wanted to, they're going to have to go to the SBA, but 85% of businesses that are bought in the United States are sold via SBA financing. SBA financing has very strict rules. like They allow people that normally can't afford it to get into it, but in order for the SBA to fund an existing business, it's actually easier for the SBA to fund a non-existing business than it is an existing business. So, because now the rules change. What they're looking for, they want separate tax returns for the locations. They want separate P&Ls for the locations. They want separate balance sheets for the locations. They want separate banking accounts. They actually want you to be able to show these deposits and they match your bank accounts. So if you have a CRM and showing money coming in, they want to see that it all matches. And then they want accrual-based accounting, what you're doing. So keeping the end in mind, going into your locations, and I actually am having to now do some of these things that I'm talking about because I'm going to start with the end in mind and go, one day I may want to sell these. I need to have this set up. So the locations that I sold, I was limited to two ways. I was limited to seller financing where the financials don't matter at that point. Obviously, negotiating how much they're going to pay, that does matter. But now the bank doesn't need to approve it. They don't need SBA financing but you're not getting any money up front. You're basically your financing and as the seller financer. And then the last ones that I sold were people that were able to get financing and get cash. So somebody was able to get private financing to be able to buy the locations. But if it was based on the SBA, I was not, the stuff wasn't set up the way that it needed to be. So now you're limiting your buyer pool, which if you want to sell anything for the most amount of money, what you don't want is a limited buyer pool. You want the biggest buyer pool humanly possible. If you were to sell a house, do you want to sell it on the MLS where everybody sees it and everybody's a potential buyer? Or do you want to sell it somewhere else where you only have one or two people that could potentially buy it? Right. So if you think about supply and demand, you want as much demand as humanly possible to buy your location. So setting them up correctly in the first place. So I'd recommend putting that in place. It's a pain in the butt to do initially. So you're like, ah, I, I'm not going to do that. And the reason why my locations weren't that way is because my CPA is, ah, it's just going to be easier if we just combine everything. And I wish I never listened to my CPA because now I have to go back and actually do it correctly and do it the right way. So set it up the right way, have separate books, have separate bank accounts, go through the process of actually doing that, and you will thank me later. So keep the end in mind. And then the last thing that I want to touch on is finding the right locations. Dustin talked about the ramifications of having the wrong location. There is software out there that you can, if your location right now is super dynamic and it's kicking ass and it's doing really well, and you're like, I want the same type of population, the same type of people, you can have software that can show you different areas that have that demographic. Or if you're in a franchise system, I would go, what are the locations that are killing it? Find me 10 to 20 locations that are absolutely killing it. They can then take that data and create a demographic for them, the psychodemographics, the income, all the stuff. And it can actually map out where in the United States actually has places just like this. So we have our locations and before we grow, we're going to take all our data from our locations because those are our ideal clients or ideal buyers that are paying for our services. And then we're going to take that and then we're going to heat map where should we actually be. So now you're using data and logic to find your ideal buyers. And then the second part of that if you have the option is then look at competition. If you have the choice of going where your ideal buyers are and there's no competition or very limited competition, it's a lot easier to go in and take market share and dominate from day one versus you go in a place and there's 30, 30 fitness gyms to choose from and they've all been there for five to 10 years. That means that probably your ideal demographic is already at a gym. And if you understand how 
human behavior and how we're all wired, they don't want to make a change. Most people do not. If they're comfortable, their friends work out at that gym, they're already in an established community, they're not going to want to leave unless there's a very compelling reason to do. So being able to get that market share becomes a lot harder because they're already there. They're already at a gym. They're already comfortable. They already have their community. And for them to leave to go to your gym, either you need to go and be like ridiculously cheap. You have to have amazing branding and reputation, or it's just going to be a very slow go to take off as well. So when I look at my locations that have done incredibly well, they have a few things in common. One, they had the right demographic. Two, our locations, the way that they were positioned, easy access to get to off of a highway. L like literally within, you get off the exit ramp and you're pretty much at our locations. And the reason why that's important is because most people are not going to drive outside of a 10 to 12 minute window. So we always hear three to five mile radius. What really matters is drive time and how long is it going to take? Because if you're in LA, five miles might take you freaking an hour, right? That's irrelevant. We want convenience. So how quickly can I get to your location? And basically it's 10 to 12 minutes. 15 minutes would be the longest that you want to do. But if you have easy access to a highway, you've just massively opened up your radius of where you can pull from. So our locations that do the best are not just pulling from whatever city that's in, we're also pulling from the neighboring cities because we have easy access right off the highways. And then the last piece is low competition. So those are the things that you want to be looking for when you go for it in a location. And most people will not share that with you because most people don't know that. But because we've opened so many locations, we know what's effective. We know where, what the challenges have been. Those are all the things that you're looking for. So as I go back to scaling and growing my locations again, those are the things that I'm going to be doing. And I don't care that they're close to my current locations. I want the right location. I want the ability to pull from as far and as wide as humanly possible. And I want low competition, right? And I want my ideal buyers. If I can do that, it's going to be a freaking home run. It doesn't even matter what state it's in. So that's the info that you need to know before you go into the next one. Because before it was just like, hey, here's the population density. Here's their income. What do you think? And it's like, I don't know. Is this good? Is this bad? And now you're just making decisions off of your gut versus actual data to be able to do the right decisions. And then the last part of that is if you have that data, obviously you got to go in and you got to get a lease and the location has to make sense. And I would go into it like with a decent look. It doesn't have to be the Taj Mahal of a looking building. It's got to be decent, but I would at least drive the area too. Does it feel good? If the area doesn't feel good and it's got a weird vibe, like I would probably encourage you not to do that because we've had locations that are like in the $60,000, $70,000 range, but they're like, just doesn't make you feel good when you walk through the doors. That's not the vibe that, that you want. So it doesn't have to be, $40 a square foot and you're paying $20,000 a month in rents or any of that kind of stuff, but it still has, to, it's got to be in a good area. It's got to be decent. And then it's got to have the other criteria that I faced. So that's my spiel. Hopefully that you guys all found that super beneficial. And when you're looking at, should I open another location? Should I not open another location? I want you to think back to that and just start with the first thing that Dustin talked about, the right reasons. Why am I opening this and do not rush to do it? And that's the best advice that I could possibly give is do not rush to do it. Be like 90% prepared and ready to go and have somebody in line ready to be able to open that. Be willing to hire early and have the funds to do it correctly. And if you can meet that criteria, then you probably should go for it. Yes. If you can't meet that criteria, get in that position to get in that so yes. you can do it wrong. Out of those six people offered me keys, two of them were clients that decided to open gym because they saw me opening a lot and just thought, man, it must be gold mine. And they went into crappy areas and I advised them not to open there. And then lo and behold, they were closing within 12 months. And they just thought a gym in a city. 
So like to your point, gather data, look at the demographics, look at how easy it is to access, look at all those things we talked about, because there you have it. Like it's not about just getting a lease in a building and opening up. It's got to be in the right area so that you can be successful. So data. The other thing that we didn't touch on for the wrong reasons was potentially you're getting pressure because you feel like, hey, I need to open a location for a teammate or I'm going to lose that teammate or... Again, maybe a partner has come and play and they want to open another location or any of that. Those are all the wrong reasons. You are actually better off potentially losing that teammate versus trying to open when you're not ready or not financially in the position to do that. Because guess what the value of that teammate is for your business being there, right? So unless they can be a part of helping you double your profits or come close to doubling your profits when you're in the right position to do your business is going to take a negative hit regardless because if that person is a home run and they're amazing and they leave it's going to have a negative effect on your business so if you do it because you want to make that person happy you're going to get a double whammy one it's going to hit your first business and then you're not ready to do it in the first place and then that's going to rob your first business because you're trying to make that person happy Never make a decision in life based off feelings and trying to make somebody happy. Do it because it's the right reason. It's in line with your vision or you will also have resentment towards that person for the rest of your life, which nobody wants that. So I just wanted to touch on that because that popped up in my head because I've been in that position of trying to rush because somebody's getting impatient and they want their opportunity, but that's not the reason to do it because you're going to make bad decisions. Yes. Guys, we hope that again, this was a just deep dive into this topic so that you guys don't rush into it. And this is very industry specific, which is exactly what you need. If you're looking to open a gym, this is the the episode you need to listen to before you dive into it. So go back and listen to it. Really ask yourself, is it the right time? And just go through that checklist we laid out. As we part ways, if you love this and you want to hear more topics, go to dominationworkshop.com. We'd love to see you guys out there in August. And we're going to cover a whole lot of topics in a deep format like we did today. So we'll see you guys next week. Later. Hey guys, Dustin Bogle here. And I wanted to invite you to my free group for gym owners. It's called Fitness Sales Made Simple because I want to show you how to convert more of your leads into sales, how to get more people to say yes to taking that leap of faith to join your program and to get healthy, fit, and more confident. All right. And so I'm going to share my best sales strategies, but you got to join the group to see what it's all about. And in fact, the minute you join, I'm going to give you a free gift. And that is a PDF called five ways to get more sales in your gym. So join the group. I'll tag you on the PDF and enjoy the free content. See you in the group.